Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by Brittany Tarleton of O Foods, a brand on a mission to make allergen-friendly snacks more accessible. Listen as Brittany shares stories from her upbringing, her education, and the overall founding story to O Foods. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by Brittany Tarleton of O Foods. Brittany, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Of course. So I'd like to start out with your upbringing. Uh, where did you grow up and what would you say your childhood was like? Yeah, um, I grew up in Toronto um, or I'd say like Markham, Ontario, mm-hmm. um, smaller town. Um, my childhood was um, like I went to daycare um, and it was very much so about creating a world where like you could do whatever you wanted. So. Um, there was like radio broadcasting there. There was um, like pop-ups every night if you wanted to like sell something at the front of the daycare. Um, there's just so many different things that you could do there. And that's one of the things I did. I took advantage of. I found out I didn't love um, like radio broadcasting, but I loved the pop-ups and um, selling different things. So I would create like um you know, pillows for my friends' dolls and all my friends wanted them. <laughs> or I created them for my dolls and my friends wanted them. And so mm-hmm. then I would start to sell them to like, their parents and then they would buy them. And then like we'd custom make them, like my mom would help me every night, like custom make them to like our friends' dolls, like names and everything. So it was really, really cool. But yeah, yeah. I think that's that, that was like my majority of my childhood is just like, that's what I remember. Definitely. So what age would you say you acquired that entrepreneurial mindset where you started selling these pillows and these dolls? Uh, what, what time span would you say that was? Yeah, I was in daycare from like seven to 10 years old. Wow. So I'm assuming that you had a lot of parent assistance when doing this and then you would sell yeah. the products as well? Yeah, my mom was very much so like anything you want to try, let's try it. If it doesn't work, it's fine. Like mm-hmm. it's not a big deal. So um I think like I, I started off with like making GIMP um, letters actually. And um, I would make that for my friend's parents. Like they would be like, hey, my name starts with an M, make me an M. And, and then I'd, my mom would buy me like the books and the GIMP and then I'd figure out how to, um, you know, make the letters and, and all that stuff. So it was really fun, but um, but yeah, I, I just grew up in a, in a very, um, like in a very encouraging environment where it's like, hey, try this out. If it doesn't work, that's fine. But then also remembering to stay committed to like the commitments that you chose to do. So if you said yes to someone that you're gonna follow through on it. Mm, Definitely. So as time progressed and and then you approached college, I know you went to Durham uh, College. Um, What was your pursuit? Uh, What what did you want to do and what did you aspire to do when you entered college at that time prior to Oakland? Good question. So I think when you, when you go through the school system, the school system at that time wasn't like, hey, let's start a business, right? It was yeah. very much so like, what do you want to become? Okay, you need to become like a doctor, a lawyer, something along those lines. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, I want to run a business or, you know, now it's very different, but it wasn't like that before. So I think um, once I came out of daycare and I started going through the school system, um, I started to change my mindset. And I was like, okay, well, what do I want to become? And I don't I never really thought that having my own business was like an option. Mm. Um, and so I chose to go down the law route. My, I have one of my aunts is a lawyer and I thought that was so cool. And so I wanted to become a lawyer. Um, and so I started looking into that. Um, 
And uh, I really liked like criminal shows at that time. Um, and just like, I thought I wanted to become a criminal lawyer. I think she does corporate corporate law, but um, I wanted to become a criminal lawyer and I just thought that was like the coolest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I like, obviously as, as I started to grow up, I started to like be really scared about the, the things I was watching and like yeah. actually becoming aware that this is like not a joke, it's actually happening in real life. And then I was like, okay, I don't wanna become a criminal law lawyer, um, but I wanna become like a family law lawyer. And so anyway, went to school um, for law clerking because I wanted to learn the basis um, of like all the documentation first and then go to um, figure out, go to law school. Um, and so, yeah, I did that. And then uh, I graduated, I did my co-op and I realized that was not what I wanted to do with my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if I like, you know, went the, the lawyer route and I, I finished at the end, I just felt like family law is, is so, um, like you're dealing with divorces essentially, yeah. not dealing with like great times, right? And so. Um, I just didn't want to wake up and be stone cold to individuals and people and be like, oh yeah, you're getting a divorce. Let's get this done. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, not have any emotion towards it. Um, and so, and then even just like scaling in general, I just realized uh, as I continue to grow and go through Durham College, they had a program called Fast Start. Um, and at the time I had an idea for um, hot chocolate. I had braces and I you know, wanted to create hot chocolate that was like dairy-free, gluten-free, no added sugar. Um, and I didn't have like any feeling on my teeth, like grittiness that you normally get with like Tim Hortons coffee yeah. um, or, or like hot chocolate or any hot chocolate anywhere realistically. But I um, started making that and, and Fast Start really helped me realize like having a business is a viable option um, again. And I think like you know, even like through speaking to individuals, like I forgot so much about my childhood and going to daycare and like those experiences. Um, and I was just like, so into like, okay, well let's become a lawyer. That's the world tells you to do, you know, like they tell you to go be great, quote unquote, but like there's so many different versions of what that could look like. Definitely. So, um, you go through this program, Fast Start. I'm curious, uh, once this concludes, uh, where do you end up? Do you continue, uh, the pursuit that you built at that time or where do you end up working? Yeah, so when I went through Fast Start, um, I finished like college basically and I went through Fast Start and I was just talking to them about the idea, going through the whole like matrix of how this could become a possibility. Um, I started getting into retail stores and uh, with the hot chocolate, but then I realized it was a very seasonal business because mm. uh, Canadian don't normally have hot chocolate in the summer, obviously. And yeah. and uh, I wasn't going to be able to continue to scale as, as much as I want to. So started looking into other um, possibilities. I was already making these snacks uh, for myself because I had a peanut and tree nut allergy I developed at 18. Um, and then from there, um, went and launched that product line. Yeah. Wow. Is this the introduction of O Foods or is this the prior? Yeah, yeah, this is the, I guess, the introduction of O Foods. Uh, there's a couple of other things I tested out and tried to see if it worked. But um, yeah, that was, I think our, our snacking bites was the real introduction of, of O Foods and launching. Amazing. So you mentioned you had an allergy issue as well. I'm curious um, with that, of course, but what also was the inspiration towards uh, launching your own snack business? Yeah, um, it was just like trying to find my own snacks that I really loved. Um, uh, 
I'd make my own. Like I said, I was already making my own hot chocolate. I started making my own ice cream. Uh, that I started making my own snacking bites. So I was just like, okay, how do I launch this onto the market and um, make it like, well, I guess my mom encouraged me actually to try to launch it. And she's like, hey, like you love these. Why don't you see if other people love them? And so I um, ended up launching and, and yeah, kind of where we are today. Amazing. Um, so I'm curious also with the name, uh, the launch of Ofus. Where does this name spark? Um, yeah. 18. Uh, a lot of people ask me that and it's honestly just um i was having a hard time with the name and i was like what do i call this snack brand that i want to create mm. um and i just had everyone like start trying snacks and they're like oh this tastes good or like they'd be like oh this like whatever and so they kept saying oh and i was like oh okay it's gonna be called okay i hope you guys are enjoying this episode so far around Brittany's entrepreneurial journey i'd like to pause and say thank you to this episode's mid-break sponsor mission workshop offering weatherproof bags and technical apparel. Mission Workshop is designed, developed, and works out of San Francisco with quality at the forefront. To those of you on the go, Mission Workshop has a focus on performance in their apparel and backpacks that I highly recommend for those who are traveling frequently. As I do myself, it's very important that I have a high performance clothing that's both stylish and comfortable at the same time. So make sure to check out Mission Workshop for yourself at missionworkshop.com and enjoy the rest of the episode. The official launch of O Foods then, uh, what were some of the first products that you created and were they all uh, created by yourself as well at the launch? Yeah. Yeah. So all of our products are created by me. Um, but uh, yeah, so the first thing was hot chocolate and that yeah. was um, really cool. The only thing with that that I learned was um, uh, it was like you use a lot, like like how we made it was so that you use a lot less, but the Canadians are used to like using a spoonful of it. And so mm. if you use a spoonful of it, it would become really, really bitter. And so um, that was that. But then the next thing was like ice cream and it was like, um, like made from fruits. I really loved going to the strawberry field at the back of my, like where I lived um, and uh, picking strawberries and then turning them into ice cream. And I don't know why I thought that would be a viable <laughs> business because obviously that field goes away in the summer, like after the summer. And so um, I realized that and then um, I launched their snacking bites. And so, yeah. I'm curious uh, from your POV, what does that R&D process look like when you're formulating a new product? Um, how do you know if that food's going to taste, is it just taste testing yourself and how do you know what to ingredients to use? Yeah. So today it looks a little different, but I guess how I first started was honestly, I'd go to bulk burn, um, and I would, uh, buy a bunch of ingredients that I thought would be good in a product. So I would think about, okay, what do I want to get from this product? What flavor profile do I want? So for like a coconut brownie, I was like, okay, well, I want obviously coconut and then I want a brownie taste so let's get some cocoa in there and then i wanted it to be like um like give you a kick of like a little bit of energy but not too much so there's like hemp seed in there um and then just like looking into like the ingredients like what do you want in there and then how do you um get them in there to like form the product that you want so um that's really how i did it honestly and, and then for our apple pie bites i was like hey well let's get some apples and um and then like I want some oats in there and like I want it to taste yeah like an apple pie so yeah how do I get that and that's really all I did is just like figuring out what I want it to taste like and then reversing it from there yeah um, and we use like wholesome ingredients so any one of our products you could go and like buy the ingredients at the store and make it at home if you wanted to um so super simple ingredients is what we stand by amazing 
I'm curious, uh, what were some of your main marketing strategies at launch? Maybe some um, uh, food expos or booths or socials. How does that look for you? Because I know you guys have a specific voice um, defending allergy-friendly foods. So how does that look, yeah. the marketing strategy? Yeah, so there's a couple, I guess. Um, uh, one of them, we created uh, something on our website called O Moments, where we were um, connecting with like food allergy moms or dads um, that had a story to tell about their child or even just like an individual who had a story about their own food allergies. Um, that was like how we first started was like really starting to like learn about how this affects other people, like, and at what age they got their food allergy and like the progression of the food allergy as well. Because, you know, some of them um, were really intense um, and food allergies are really, really serious. So if you don't have like an EpiPen to help get you to the hospital, um, there, there could be uh, fatal um, things that could happen, right? So definitely. Um, We've learned so much through that. So that was like a really, it was, I would say that's like marketing, but it was also like a learning lesson of like how, like what happens when you have a food allergy and um, and like the different ways it affects different bodies and stuff. Um, and then I'd say another way was Instagram. We, we posted a lot about um, our journey and just like what we were doing behind the scenes. Um, that resonated a lot. Today, it's very different. We use TikTok um, to kind of show behind the scenes of what we're doing. I use LinkedIn a lot to share like the journey of what we're doing yeah. um, or if I'm looking for something. So like, if I'm looking for a co-packer or um, a supplier, I'll reach out to people on LinkedIn just to see um, who has like a connection. Um, and then what else? Oh, we still use Instagram. So definitely. Um, and then we also use like word of mouth. So a lot of people like will try our products, love it and then want to share it. And then like, we don't really like do the typical influencer. Like if you have even 500 followers, I think you're an influencer, even a hundred, right? Because yeah. at the end of the day, people want to buy from their friends. They exactly. want to like, you know, hear from their friend that this is amazing. So we will typically uh, connect with people who love our product, no matter what they like follow account they have and um, see how we can get them to introduce it to their friends um, and get the word out from there. Definitely. From all of those strategies mentioned, I'm curious, can you depict a specific demographic, would you say, uh, for your products? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we can. So I would say anyone between the ages of 25 to about 40 um, is like our main market right now that, that we that we realize like really enjoy our snacks. Obviously, people who are like over the age of 40 will go ahead and have it. Um, yeah. But we realize also like young moms will buy our bites for their snack, like for their kids. I think like when we start doing a lot of like um, connections, we realize that moms will use it as like um, like like their baby's first food, like our apple pie bites and give it a, give them something to munch on during the day. And that was like really cool. Um, or just like, you know, um, if they're they're going to like a park or anything like that so i think like those insights are something that we couldn't have gotten if we didn't connect with our consumer to kind of find out okay like when are you giving this to your child and like and why right yeah. um and then also like are our pack sizes do they make sense for you so like our edible cookie dough for example um a 360 gram tub is not going to make sense to take to a park yeah um or like a play date, but then our 140 gram tubs that we just created, really mini and really cute to go in like the lunchbox, perfect fit, right? Definitely. I'm curious, um, what would you say differentiates O Foods from your competitors and what is your stance in your category? 
Yeah. So. Um, so we focus on being allergen friendly, vegan and gluten uh, free. Um, so that's like the first thing that differentiates us from our competitors in the space. There's no other cookie dough on the market that, um, you know, focuses in on that, like being allergen friendly, vegan, gluten free. Mm-hmm. Um, they either do one or the other and you're kind of like wondering, OK, what does this brand stand for um, in terms of like if they have like they say they're allergen friendly, but then they have a peanut flavor that doesn't add up for the consumer in terms of like believing that you're truly allergen friendly. Right. Definitely. Um, so that's something that we differentiate ourselves on. The next thing is like very clean ingredients. So um, I try to make sure that we have ingredients in there that are simple, um, actually doing something for you and that you feel good. So for like our cookie dough, um, we use flaxseed instead of using um, eggs, um, obviously just to make it safe to eat, but mm-hmm. um, also making it like functional. And then um, we also go ahead and change out the flour for oat flour. Um, we use Himalayan, Himalayan salt. I cannot say that word for some reason, but we can <laughs> we use better for you salt. Um, uh, so it's like pink salt. Um, what else do we use? We use like corn-free baking soda, um, alcohol-free um, vanilla, like pure vanilla extract. So it's like real vanilla instead of like imitation vanilla, um, which would be cheaper, obviously, if we use imitation. But just using like true wholesome ingredients is really something that we stand by. And then Mm -hmm. um, the last thing is just making sure that the consumer is heard. So when we think about product lines, how are we expanding? um, And and what are we doing? Like we don't want to be a me too product. So we looked at the market and we really believe in inclusive snacking. So whatever you see out there, it's like, okay, if there's already cookie dough in the market, how do we make it so that it's inclusive snacking and you can have it have food allergies or not it's just a better for you cookie dough um that's sitting on the market um so we just look at like how can we better the market instead of adding another cookie to the market right definitely Um, added a cookie dough um and then instead of adding like i don't know what other things like bites so snacking bites you know instead of following our our other competitors and being like well they launched a cracker so let's launch a cracker like we figure out how can we actually make a difference instead of just like following along with our competitors, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, from the customer's POV, um, what does logistics look like? Are all of your products shelf stable? I know you mentioned an alternative for eggs, um, say shipping to a retailer or shipping to a home. How does that mm-hmm. work? Yeah. So, okay. So our products are shelf stable. Our cookie dough is shelf stable for 60 days. So shipping to a home, um, we ship our cookie dough regular. Um, and then when it arrives, we ask that you put it in the fridge. Okay. Um, and then our snacking bites are shelf stable for 10 months. So um, you're good to go there. Essentially, they don't need to go in the fridge. They just go on the shelf. Um, and that's just from having like wholesome natural ingredients. Whatever you would have normally put in your cabinet literally is in that package. And we're able to put it in there now. Um, and then for our cookie dough, if you put it in the fridge, it lasts for 12 months. So um and that's just from, again, having wholesome, clean ingredients. Um, yeah. Definitely. Um, what would you de- depict as your top seller, if you have an idea? Yeah. So our top seller is birthday cake cookie dough. Um, I think people are surprised by the fact that it literally smells like a party in a cup. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it smells like um, like birthday cake. Um, as soon as you open it, it hits you. Um, and that's, that's our best seller for sure. 
Amazing. Well, I like to conclude each episode with this. Uh, if you could share one piece of advice with an aspiring entrepreneur, maybe something you've learned or regret, uh, what would you say that would be? Um, yeah, I would say, I think the biggest thing, like when I speak to different um, entrepreneurs and other people is they often sit on the fence of like doing or not doing it. Um, or just like the in-between of like, you know, you know, when you're playing like hopscotch and you're kind of like, uh, or like double dutch and you're like skipping rope and you're trying to figure yeah. out like do I jump in now or do I jump in later kind of thing instead of just jumping in and like figuring it out as you go along. I think um, a lot of times uh, business owners will like or you know people who want to do something often play that game of like okay well I want to get in but then I don't want to get in and then they play on this fence of like playing like all these scenarios that are going to go on and like that are not actual reality right like yeah. oh I think I'm going to fail or, oh, I think, you know, I don't have enough money or all these things that you think in your head. Um, but like, I, I think something that someone said to me is like, like whatever you think is actually true. Um, so if you think that you can't do something, you can't do it. And that's just what it is. Right. Yeah. Um, but if you sat there saying like, well, I can do this and like, how do I do it? I think it just shifts in your mind. So I think um, the first thing I tell people that I learned is really like, picking up a mindful book that's going to help you with like thinking deep about how can I, um, first of all, emotionally regulate yourself, but then also how do I think in a world that might be telling me I can't do something and believe in myself. Mm, definitely. Well, Brittany, thank you so much for joining me today. And to the listeners out there, make sure to check out OFoods at OFoods.com. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Starting Small. If you would, Leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, follow Starting Small Pod on social platforms to keep up to date on future guests.